To win this division, what the Orioles are going to need to do is keep winning series. And that's what they did this weekend, taking two out of three from the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'll recap it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, September 4th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles series victory over the Diamondbacks in the desert this weekend as the O's took two of three from Arizona to remain in first place in the AL East. I'll get you the five things you need to know from Saturday's 7-3 victory, the five things you need to know from Sunday's 8-5 win, and then talk a little bit about the roster moves that the Orioles made this weekend, including bringing back an old friend and sending the top prospect in baseball one step away from the major leagues. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And please like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page as well. We thank you so much for your support, the everydayers out there making Locked On Orioles your first listen every single day. For your first listen today, it's an Orioles series win. Started with a loss Friday, but they backed it up with wins on Saturday and on Sunday to take the series two out of three from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Orioles falling 4-2 on Friday night to open up the series, but they bounced back, winning 7-3 on Saturday and then 8-5 Sunday against the D-backs to come away with a series victory. O's win two out of three and get to 85 and 51 on the season. And because the O's got some help from the Cleveland Guardians, who took two out of three from the Rays in Cleveland this weekend, the Orioles extended their lead in the AL East back to two and a half games over Tampa, heading into play on Monday. And I'm going to start this one with the Saturday win. We won't talk much about the Friday loss. Listen, Cole Irvin wasn't great. The Orioles' bats just never got going, and they lost game one. But they went into Saturday looking to even up the series, and they got a 7-3 to victory. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from that one. And the first thing you need to know is Cedric Mullins really did his best this weekend to break himself out of his slump. Mullins has not been good lately. Hit just 188 in August. And really, if you take out the big game he had in Seattle, the Mullins game where he robbed the homer bottom nine, hit the winning homer top 10. He hasn't done a lot for the O's offensively since he came back from the second edition of the groin injury. He started to change that this weekend. Mullins had a huge three-run home run in the game on Saturday in the fourth inning to kickstart the Orioles' rally. Mullins hitting the homer, and he ended up with a nice weekend. Five for 12 with a homer, four RBIs, a walk, and two strikeouts starting all three games this weekend for the Orioles. And Mullen's swing looked a whole lot better. That three-run homer on Saturday was absolutely crushed. It gave the O's a 3-2 lead, got him on the board, 101 off the bat, 390 feet for Cedric Mullins as he hit it off the Arizona starter, Slade Ciccone. And listen, the Orioles don't need Cedric Mullins to be their main producer. 
And quite frankly, I think we're at the point where we know Mullins is not going to hit leadoff again for this team. That is Adley Rutschman's spot. Mullins is going to be somewhere in the 5-6-7 range in the order every day. But they still need him in there every single day, no matter where he's hitting. They need his defense, but they do need his bat as well. And this weekend was a huge step forward for Cedric. Second thing you need to know from the 7-3 win on Saturday is that that big fourth inning that I just touched on, that was the difference. Orioles were trailing 2-0, heading into the fourth after the D-backs got a lot of good batted ball luck against Kyle Bradish and put up a two-spot bottom three to take the lead. Well, the Orioles, as they did all weekend, didn't waste any time answering right back. They got six runs in the fourth inning. It was another big inning for the Orioles, all charged to the starter, Ciccone, who left after just three and a third. The O's got those six runs on seven consecutive hits in that fourth inning. They just refused to let up. After Anthony Santander flew out to start the inning, Ryan O'Hearn laced a single, Austin Hayes' little infield single, then the Cedric Mullins three-run homer, but they were not done. Ramon Arias, a hard-hit single. Then Adam Frazier doubled to score Arias and make it a 4-2 game. Then James McCann doubles to make it a 5-2 game. Then Adley Rutschman singles to make it a 6-2 game before Gunner strikes out. And then Santander, who led off the inning with a fly out, flies out again in the fourth inning to end the frame. They send 10 men to the plate, score six runs, seven straight hits, got themselves into what is an Arizona bullpen that very much does struggle. And they did some damage off of Joe Mantiply once he came in. They had those big innings, you know, last week against Chicago, those back-to-back big eighth innings for the O's. Had the big first inning in Game 3 of that series. You know, you'd rather, for the long haul maybe, your offense be more spread out throughout a game. But big innings can just demoralize another team. And that's what the O's have been doing recently offensively. Third thing you need to know from the Saturday win is Adley Rutschman was mashing the baseball on Saturday. Adley came off a really good month of August where he hit 296 but didn't really flash the power. He only homered twice in August and both those home runs were early in the month. He finally got back to his long ball ways on Saturday. The only other run the Orioles scored besides the six run fourth was an Adley Rutschman solo home run in the seventh inning. Adley leading off the frame with a bomb 104 off the bat 405 feet. It was his first home run since August 10th. It had been almost a month since Adley had gone deep, but he got it done with the dinger in the seventh inning. And that wasn't all Adley did in the Saturday win. He went two for five with a home run, had two RBIs and a strikeout, but he had four hard hit balls in this game, was just mashing it all over the field. Probably should have been rewarded with more than just the two hits that he got in this one. But after he had a fly out at 97 in his first at-bat, he struck out in the third, a 104-mile-per-hour single in the fourth, the homer in the seventh, and a 106-mile-per-hour ground out in the ninth was just mashing the baseball in this game. Fourth thing you need to know from the Orioles' victory in Game 2 of the series is that Kyle Bradish just continues to be the ace of the Orioles' staff. He did it once again on Saturday. Now, he certainly did not have his best stuff, But that didn't mean he wasn't going to get a quality start. Bradish goes six innings against the Diamondbacks, allowing just those two kind of fluky runs in the third inning on four hits, struck out six, did walk three, and that was one of the reasons why he threw 107 pitches, a career high, to get through those six innings. But it was the walks that hurt him, and as I mentioned, kind of a fluky two runs. Arizona had only two hard-hit balls against Bradish in six innings of work. That is a ridiculous job of him 
limiting hard contact. He got 12 whiffs on the day. His curveball was actually better than it's been recently. That was kind of his top whip, whiff pitch. Also went with more sinkers than anything else. You could tell he had a little different approach against that Arizona order than he has against other teams. Threw a lot of four-seam fastballs, which you don't see too, too often from Kyle Bradish. But the approach still worked. 11 of Bradish's last 12 starts have gone at least six innings. He's been dominant. What more can you say? I mean, this guy right now, Kyle Bradish, is the game one playoff starter. And I don't see that changing before the playoffs start for the Orioles. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 7-3 win over the Diamondbacks on Saturday is that the bullpen finished things off nicely. Kyle Bradish left the game with a 6-2 lead. Adley got the homer top seven to make it a 7-2 game as the bullpen came in. And, you know, they finished it off. D.L. Hall looked really good, went an inning and a third scoreless with no hits, one walk, and three strikeouts for Hall. His stuff was looking very impressive against both lefties and righties in that appearance. I like the fastball. I like the changeup. I, I like the slider, to be honest. All the stuff really looked good from D.L. Hall. Then they turned it over to Jacob Webb, who got two outs, one of them a strikeout, threw only seven pitches, did a nice job of finishing off the eighth. And then they went to Joey Crable, who, despite throwing 20-plus pitches on Friday night to really help save the O's bullpen, came out and threw the ninth inning on Saturday night. You know, he did give up a solo homer in the inning, but that was it. Got a strikeout, 15 pitches, got the final three outs, and secured the 7-3 to victory. You know what? Nice day for the Orioles all around. Good bounce back from the Friday loss, and they evened up the series with a big win on Saturday and made it 83 consecutive series in which the Orioles have not been swept. But they weren't done. They turned to Sunday saying, we want a series win on the road against another playoff contender in the Arizona Diamondbacks. And well, they did just that. With another offensive outburst, the Orioles clinched the series with a win on Sunday by a score of 8-5. And I'll tell you how they did it coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Nutrafol. If, you know, you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a full body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. The hair growth supplements at Nutrafol use physician formulated natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. So go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz. It identifies the causes of your thinning hair, and they'll give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping. When you go to Nutrafol.com slash men, and enter the promo code LOCKEDONMLB. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men. Spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men. And enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. Promo code LOCKEDONMLB. So after dropping Game 1 on Friday night, the Orioles took Game 2 of the series against the D-backs 7-3 on Saturday, but they weren't done. They wanted that series win, and they got it with an 8-5 win on Sunday to make it another series victory for the Orioles and remain 
in first place. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' Sunday victory. The first thing you need to know is, what a response again by the Orioles' offense. I mentioned it in the Saturday game. They gave up the two weird runs in the bottom of the third. Immediately, they score six in the top of the fourth to take the lead. This was an even bigger instance of the Orioles just responding, the offense responding immediately exactly when they needed it. There was some chicanery that happened in the bottom of the fifth inning. Diamondbacks got two runs out of it and tied the game at four on Sunday. Some bad umpiring where Gunnar Henderson was trying to turn a double play. He went to pick up the ball, tag Geraldo Perdomo, going to second, then fired a first for the double play. He barely misses Perdomo on the tag in between first and second because Perdomo had dove headfirst into the infield grass and his entire body was in the infield grass. You can check out my Twitter, at Kata underscore, for the screenshot. His whole body's in the grass. And yet the umpires didn't say he was out of the baseline. So they called him safe. And you can't review out of the baseline. They reviewed whether he tagged him. Turns out he didn't. And they called him safe. Arizona ends up scoring two runs to tie the game. Completely changed the inning. Now, it was a nice job by the O's to get out of it and keep it tied at four. But you're thinking, oh boy, what is going on? They're going to lose this game. Nope. Here comes the offense in the top of the sixth inning. They just go boom, 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 four-run inning, take the lead back eight to four, not even wasting any time. Ryan O'Hearn, a 105-mile-per-hour double off the bat to lead off the inning. Aaron Hicks, nice little productive ground out, getting to third with one away. Mullen singles with the infield in to make it 5-4. Aria singles. Jordan Westberg is a pinch hitter, RBI double. Then an Adley Rutschman two-run double. And all of a sudden, it's eight to four like that. And there's still only one out in the inning. Now, they would just get the four, but what an answer this was by the O's offense. This weekend really made me feel good about the O's offense, despite how quiet. I mean, they were dead silent, basically for the entirety of Friday night's loss. And then they just turned it around Saturday and Sunday against not a good bullpen, but a good starting staff, at least that Arizona has. I mean, especially Zach Gallen. And that's the second thing you need to know from Sunday's win is that the O's offense, they also got a great start against Zach Gallen in this game. Gallen, you know, one of the best pitchers in the National League. He's had another great season as the ace of the Arizona staff. And the O's got to him. I mean, he kind of started out that sixth inning before coming out of the game, and, and he was charged with one of those four runs in the sixth. But the O's got him for two in the first and two in the second. They jumped right on Gallen. Ryan O'Hearn had a two-run single in the first. Then Gunnar Henderson, after the O's loaded the bases, had a two-run single in the second. And... If Zach Gallon gets rolling, he can mow you down, and he can be a guy who's a stopper and wins a series for you. The O's did not let that happen. It was really impressive to see them do that to one of the best pitchers in the National League. Third thing you need to know from Sunday's 8-5 to win is that the bottom of the order, I mean, speaking of this offense, the bottom of the order did damage for the Orioles. Now, that's not to take away from, you know, Gunnar Henderson's two hits and two RBIs and the Rutschman two RBIs and O'Hearn having a couple of hits and two RBIs, but... The reason those guys had runs driven in in this game is that the Orioles' bottom of the order, I mean, got things done for the O's. Cedric Mullins hitting seventh, three for five with three singles and an RBI. Ramon Arias hitting eighth, two for four with a couple of singles and a walk and two runs scored. Adam Frazier in the nine hole gets himself a couple of singles and a run scored. Then Jordan Westberg pinch hits for him in the sixth, and Westberg goes one for two with a double and an RBI. 7-8-9 in the Orioles' order, combined to go 8-for-13 with a double, a walk, 
two RBIs and five runs scored in this game from seven, eight, nine in the order. That is huge, huge production to get from the bottom side of your lineup. Fourth thing you need to know from the win on Sunday to clinch the series is that Jack Flaherty started again, and once again, he was he was okay, right? He was not terrible. He was not good. He was okay. Flaherty goes four and two-thirds innings, allowing four runs on six hits. Now, he did strike out seven and walk just one, but he allowed two homers through 85 pitches, and the Diamondbacks had six hard-hit balls against him. Now, I mentioned the chicanery that happened in the fifth inning. The reason why Flaherty didn't get out of there at five innings, two runs, five innings, three runs, and instead four and two-thirds, four runs, was because of that horrendous non-call by the umpires in the fifth inning. And it got to him a little bit, and he gave up a couple of hits after that, and Danny Coulomb had to come in and get him out of a jam. I was more impressed by this start from Flaherty than I was last week, although he gave up less runs and went deeper into the game against Colorado last week, facing a much better lineup this week, got more whiffs, got more strikeouts, kind of controlled the strike zone a little bit more. His stuff looked better. I just, I don't know. If you're asking me, one through six in the rotation right now, who worries you the most? I put Jack Flaherty at number one. I mean... Yes, he wasn't having an amazing year with the Cardinals, but it's weird to see what he did in that first start with the Orioles against the Blue Jays. Dominated them. Six innings, one run, eight strikeouts. He was awesome. And he just hasn't even been close to that pitcher in the four starts since then. So I I don't know what to think at this point of Jack Flaherty. I I think they're going to keep running him out there, but there could be a short leash there. I mean, I know you you feel like, oh, you gave up prospects for him. You got to keep throwing him out there. If he's not getting it done, you don't have to keep throwing him out there. You could put him in the bullpen. You could make a different move. You can see what you can do with him. But it's something to monitor Flaherty at this point. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 8-5 to win over the D-backs that got them the series victory on Sunday is that we got to see an old friend pitch in an Oriole uniform again. It was Jorge Lopez. And we're going to get to it in a moment, how Jorge Lopez ended up back on the Orioles on Sunday. But he is in an Oreo uniform wearing number 73, which looked a little odd. Kyle Gibson now has his previous number 48. But how about Jorge Lopez? They get him on waivers. I'll talk about it later. Comes in in the eighth inning, 8-4 to four game. Gives up a leadoff double and then says, that's enough of that. Scoreless inning with a strikeout through just eight pitches. Yeah, three of the balls were hard hit. So, you know, it's you know he struggled this year with other teams. But if anyone can get the best out of Jorge Lopez, it's the Orioles and... It was just awesome to see the quotes before the game. They talked, the media talked to Lopez. He said he was so happy to be back with the O's. His family celebrated. Apparently his his entire family was just elated for him to be back in Baltimore. This is where he's had success. And to see him put up a zero in his first outing was a good, good thing. And I'll get to in a minute kind of what his role could be. And he kind of led another nice day from the Oriole bullpen. And that was after Jack Flaherty, you know, only went four and two thirds in this game on Sunday, but the O's bullpen did a good job. Danny Coulomb came in, got a huge out in the fifth to keep the game tied. Then he puts up a one, two, three, sixth. They go to CNL Perez in the seventh. CO looked filthy again, put up a zero in the seventh. Lopez gets the zero in the eighth. Now, Yinier Cano, who hadn't pitched in five days, comes in, does give up a leadoff homer to Christian Walker in the ninth, but after that, gets three straight ground balls to get himself out of the inning and clinch the 8-5 win, clinch the series win. And it was another, you know, solid weekend for the O's bullpen. I mean, even in the loss, right? On Friday, after Cole Irvin gives up the four runs over five and two-thirds, Joey Crable scoreless inning, Fuji scoreless inning, and Cienel Perez inning, or a third of an inning scoreless. So the bullpen still went two and a third scoreless even in the loss Friday. So a really good weekend, I think, 
for the Orioles relievers and, and a really good weekend for the Orioles in general as they take two out of three from the Arizona Diamondbacks and remain two and a half games up on the Rays in first place in the AL East. But the Orioles also had a lot of movement happening this weekend on the roster. They made five roster moves. They had some promotions. They had some guys with some injury and illness scares that are still on the roster. whole lot of moving parts. We'll break those down quickly to finish off the pod coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Sleeper. Now, the Orioles are right back in action tonight, and they're playing big games. In the MLB playoffs, they are right around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to make 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now. Like studs like Acuna, Betts, Otani, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson. Pick more or less on stats for stars like these, like homers, hits, strikeouts, and more, for a 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big. The app is also super easy to use. The reason I like it is you go on, your entries can be made in under a minute. It doesn't take up much time. You go on there. Pick your favorites, make the picks, boom, and you're done. So use promo code Locked On, and you get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Check out Sleeper today. So the Orioles take the series over the Diamondbacks this weekend, winning two out of three after dropping the opener. But that was just the start of a fairly extensive road trip for the Orioles that includes them being out west and the late games although the games to be fair to the Diamondbacks weren't that late this weekend I mean it was 9 40 on Friday but 8 o'clock Saturday 4 o'clock Sunday we can manage that this week might be a little tough for me I'll talk about that at the end of the pod and for all of you so watch out for the sleep schedules because the Orioles are going to Anaheim to take on the Angels this week and that series starts tonight a 9 38 p.m. Eastern time start. Yeah, get a nap in during the day. But the Orioles are going to send their rookie stud, Grayson Rodriguez, to the mound for the O's. A 5.03 ERA and 18 starts, but that doesn't tell the whole story. He's been ridiculous lately since coming back, and that start against the White Sox last week was dominant. Six scoreless innings, one hit, six Ks, and one walk for Grayson in that one. Now, let's be fair. He did face the Angels in Baltimore earlier this year, in game one of a four-game series, and that was one of the games, and you could even argue that was his worst start in the big leagues. There's an argument to be made. Shohei Otani hit a ball, I think, 852 feet off him. Not sure if that was the exact measurement, but I feel like pretty close. But back on May 15th in Baltimore, Grayson goes three and a third, gives up eight runs on nine hits, three Ks, three walks, and two homers. That's not the same pitcher he is today. The Angels certainly aren't the same team they were back then. We'll see what he can do in this game tonight. But he will go up against Kenny Rosenberg, the 28-year-old lefty who's going to get the start in this game. Now, he has made two appearances for the Angels this season. Kind of a journeyman guy, former eighth-round pick of the Rays in 2016. First appearance, August 11th in Houston. Five innings, four runs, seven hits, four Ks, five walks. Then August 23rd against the Reds. Two innings, one run, two hits, three Ks, two walks. That's about all we've got to go off of for Kenny Rosenberg. We'll see what the O's can do against the left-hander in tonight's game. But you can listen to every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast 
of tonight's game one between the O's and the Angels with the uh, SXM app through SiriusXM. So just download the app and search Orioles. But before we get to tonight's game, a lot of roster moves were made over the weekend. I wanted to quickly just kind of punctuate those moves before we finish off the pod. Just run through them. A couple of thoughts before we finish off today. Let's start with Aaron Hicks, who is back off the injured list, was activated on Sunday. Orioles put him in the lineup. Did go 0 for 3 in the Sunday game. Came out late. Austin Hayes replaced him defensively in the eighth inning. We'll see. I mean, he was coming off the back injury, right? He's going to play some. He's not going to play every day in that Orioles outfield. I don't think he's guaranteed a spot for the rest of the year. It's all going to be based on how he produces. I think the Orioles really like him in the clubhouse, and that's one of the reasons why he's back here. We will see. Again, it's not going to be an everyday role. You got Hayes, Mullins, Santander. He's not going to be out there all the time, but not a guaranteed spot. Certainly not a guaranteed playoff roster spot. Like This could be a, a situation where he's kind of on the roster playing sparingly throughout September, and then he's not on the active playoff roster, but he's kind of there as a guy who's been there, done that. I could see that happening. We will see. Now, to get Hicks on the roster, Colton Kowser was sent back down to AAA. Now, I mentioned on Friday's episode, talked about how Kowser and Joey Crable were the two extra call-ups as rosters expanded from 26 to 28 for September on Friday. Talked about how Kowser certainly was not going to play every day, but I thought they'd find a role for him. Well, he did not appear in Friday or Saturday's game and then was sent down on Sunday. Now, it does make sense probably that the O's felt like, hey, whenever Hicks gets back, we're going to send down Kowser. Now, initially, the talk had been Hicks would return at some point in the Angels series. It was not assumed that he would come back this early, like the final game of the D-back series. It happened. Kowser has options. Yeah, they could have sent down McKenna, but theoretically, Ryan McKenna is a better defender than Colton Kowser overall, and he can play a much better center field. And I just think at this point, that role on the roster right now is defensive replacement, maybe play a smidge, maybe start a couple of games, but really defensive replacement pinch runner. And McKenna just fills that role better. I think that's why they didn't go with Kowser. I'm not worried about Colton Kowser. He may not even come back up the rest of this year. If the O's stay healthy in the outfield, that might be it for him with the Orioles this season. But he's going to make an impact next year. Don't you worry. Now, the one thing is he's only at 42 days on the active roster right now. So if he doesn't come back up, he maintains rookie eligibility next year and still could, you know, get that draft pick. So that's something the O's are factoring in here. But... The role just wasn't going to be there for Colton Kowser, unfortunately, and it happens. You know, they're not giving up on him, but when you struggle like he did in his 77 plate appearances, that doesn't mean they think he's going to be bad. Guys struggle when they get to the bigs, but when you're in a pennant chase and you're trying to win a division and the razor-thin margins right now, you can't afford to let him kind of work out of it at this point in the season. It's just an unfortunate circumstance for Colton Kowser. If anybody gets hurt, he'll be the first guy in the outfield to be back. Now, you may be asking, well, why would they call up Kowser as the extra player if they knew that Hicks was going to be back soon and they were just going to option him? Well, the O's had Austin Hayes a little banged up, Anthony Santander a little banged up, Cedric Mullins struggling a bit. You wanted another outfielder instead of an infielder, right? Because you knew maybe if those guys continue to be banged up, we'll need another outfielder. Now, your choices are basically Kowser or Kerstad. Kowser's already been here, already on the 40-man. Easier to make that move. Boom. That's, that's kind of the simple reasoning why. He was there just in case. They probably planned all along to send him back down. Now, the Orioles also added some more players to this roster. Jorge Lopez was claimed off waivers by the Orioles. Now, I'm going to dive into this much, much deeper, actually coming up on tomorrow's episode, so be ready for that one, but... Jorge Lopez is back. He was DFA'd by the Marlins earlier this week, and the Orioles have claimed him. Now, he hasn't been good this year. 
Started the year with the Twins after the O's traded him there last year. Then was dealt to the Marlins at the deadline. 47 innings, 6-1-3 ERA, 16% strikeout rate, 9% walk rate, 49% ground ball rate. Hasn't been a good year for Jorge Lopez. The only time he's had success in his career was with the Orioles last season. Last year with the O's, before he was dealt to the Twins, 48 and a third innings, 1.68 ERA, much higher K percentage, 28%, same walk percentage at 9, much higher ground ball percentage, 60% versus 49. He feels comfortable in Baltimore. He talked about it before the game Sunday, how happy, how relieved he was to be back with the Orioles. I know that he might have been worse down the stretch if the O's had held on to him last season. But you could tell in those moments when he was blowing saves in Minnesota in 2022 that it hurt him a lot to be dealt from the Orioles. And he was not in a good headspace after that trade. And that hurt his performance a lot. And I think some of that could just kind of come back, the good stuff of being back in Baltimore. We will see. I'll break it down a lot further later this week on the pod. But yeah, what a waiver claim. Jorge Lopez back here to help the Orioles. Now, let me just put this out there and clear the air. No matter what other people are saying, a lot of confusion about the roster rules. Jorge Lopez cannot, let me say that again, cannot be on the playoff roster. I know people are saying, oh, there's loopholes. There's loopholes. There is not loopholes for this situation. If you are not in the organization by September 1st, which he was not, he was claimed September 2nd, you cannot be on the playoff roster, no questions asked. The loopholes apply to players who are not on the 40-man roster. The way the rule reads is you have to be on the 40-man roster by September 1st to be eligible for, for the postseason. However, there are loopholes that say if you are replacing an injured player who's going on the IL, it can be any player from the organization who, at least if they're in the org by September 1st, don't have to be on the 40-man, you can replace that injured player on the playoff roster. Lopez was not in the organization. He was on another team, which means definitively he is not eligible for the playoffs. That doesn't mean he's not going to help. He can certainly help the O's get there. He cannot help them once they get into the postseason. Now to make room for Lopez, they actually DFA'd two different pitchers. The first one was Logan Gillespie. That was to make room for Lopez in terms of the 40-man roster. They made that move so they could get Lopez on Saturday, had to make it. But they couldn't activate him yet because he wasn't yet in Arizona. Logan Glassby just, the Orioles see a lot in that fastball changeup combo. He's got good stuff, just can't put it together. I actually think he has a solid chance of clearing waivers and staying with the O's. Hopefully he does, because there's something to unlock in there with Logan Glassby. And then on Sunday to make room on the active roster, the Orioles DFA'd Austin Voth. As I said, when the O's brought Voth back from the injured list last week, he was not going to be long for this team. He was just here to provide some long relief. He pitched in two games, and he's gone. They really didn't see him as a part of this future team. It had just been too many struggles this year. So both DFA'd another guy who I'd say 50-50, whether or not he clears waivers or not, could be a guy who can at least eat innings for a bad team down the stretch. So I could probably see him being claimed for that reason. I would say he has a much better chance of being claimed on waivers than Gillespie does. Hopefully they both stay in the Oregon clear waivers, but we shall see. But not only did that make room for Lopez on the active roster, it also means... The Orioles have an open spot on the 40-man. They now have only 39 players on the 40-man roster, and that's good because they're going to have to activate John Means back to the 40-man this week. Means' rehab will end on Friday, which means they will have to put him back on the 40-man roster or put him back on the 60-day IL and essentially end his season by Friday. Now he looks healthy, so I would think he's going to go back on the 40-man, but this is something I hadn't talked about yet and hadn't actually realized until basically today. Means does not have to automatically 
come up to the big leagues if they don't want to. So the Orioles have said, Brandon Hyde said Sunday, means we'll make one more rehab start. So most likely that'll come either Tuesday or Wednesday of this week in AAA Norfolk. Means actually still has minor league options, which means if the Orioles still don't think he's quite ready yet, they can add him back to the 40-man, activate him to the roster on Friday, which they'll need to do, and then just option him to AAA Norfolk without having to put him through waivers and have him continue to pitch for the Tides until they feel he's ready. So that does give the O's a few more options here with John Means in September. And then just a couple more things from the weekend. One was Anthony Santander, got hit by a pitch Saturday, was not feeling good about that, got hit in the hand, came right out of game. Luckily, all the x-rays were negative. He was fine. He was in the starting lineup on Sunday. Huge for Santander, who is crushing the baseball right now. Ryan Mountcastle did not play Friday or Saturday. Orioles said he was under the weather. Brandon Hyde was asked, is it the vertigo coming back? Hyde said he didn't want to talk about that. It was worrisome that maybe the vertigo was hitting again, but Mountcastle did start on Sunday. Now, he did go 0 for 4, but he was back in the lineup Sunday, which is huge because he's been amazing since coming back with that or from that bout with vertigo. And then the last thing to get to, according to Steve Molesky of Masson on Sunday, Jackson Holiday is being promoted to AAA Norfolk this week. He is one step away from the big leagues. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's closer to happening right now. As the number one prospect in baseball, who was drafted last year with the number one pick, will play at four different levels this year at least as he goes to Norfolk. And some of those things, especially Jackson Holiday, Jorge Lopez, we'll talk about more on tomorrow's episode, including I will recap game one between the Orioles and the Angels. Now, here's a little look what the week could look like. Because again, I work a nine to five job. It's hard to stay up for these games late and record and edit and post and get it up the next morning. I'm going to have an episode up for you tomorrow talking about Jorge Lopez and talking about game one between the O's and the Angels. Episode on Wednesday is not going to have a recap from Tuesday night's game. It's going to be something different, probably a mailbag. Get your questions in. Leave them right here in the comments on YouTube. Then on Thursday, I'll be back to recap Tuesday and Wednesday's game of the series before the off day Thursday, and then I will be back on Friday as well. So that's a general look at the schedule on the pod this week. And again, back tomorrow, recapping game one, O's and Angels, and talking a little bit more about Jorge Lopez being back in an Oriole uniform. That's coming up tomorrow, but until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.